big week ahead for Iowa Hawkeye football as they take on the Wisconsin Badgers and what's always uh, ground and pound, blight up, old-fashioned fiscal game, uh, football game, uh, probably as much as anybody in the country. David Eichel, Sean Bach here, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, Swarmcast. Uh, Sean and I are going to dive into everything Wisconsin, Iowa, and then uh, Sean actually took some time to interview Michael Hogan of our Wisconsin site and a great conversation to really get you going for what's about to go down in Madison this weekend. And Sean, I think despite, you know, after Iowa losing to Purdue, I think it's pretty fair to say that this is the biggest game of the season uh, for Iowa, especially if they do want to accomplish their goal of making it to Indy on December 4th. Yeah. I mean, you talk about every game being the biggest game of the season to that point. And obviously Penn state was one we didn't really think about Purdue being one of them, but you know, it ended up being a, a big one. And, you know, this game's no different. I think we've kind of had this one scheduled or at least, you know, every big 10, everyone that follows the big 10 West at least has had this game scheduled because, you know, it really does decide the big 10 West. And we didn't think about it a couple weeks ago when Wisconsin was one and three, but now they've won three straight games. You know, after that Notre Dame game, everyone's kind of thinking like, yeah, I don't know about this Wisconsin team. You know, we talk about them being the favorites in the Big Ten West, but after that Notre Dame game, there was a lot of uh, uneasiness. And same thing with the Michigan game. I know Michigan's a very good team this year, but, you know, you never really you never really felt confident. But since um, Wisconsin's won the last three games, obviously, you know, Illinois and Army, those are games that you should win. I mean, granted, Illinois has beaten Penn State. Army um, is a tough team to play, usually. Purdue obviously gave Iowa a lot of troubles in that in that win for the Boilermakers. But, you know, Wisconsin's won three straight games, and momentum seems to be a lot higher. The run game seems to be doing well. Um, there's a lot of things that go into this game that definitely make it a, a concerning game and a big game for Iowa. I think you need to give a lot of credit to Paul Christ for changing the offense halfway through the season because, like you said, they were looking at a 1-3 record completely off the radar in the Big Ten, especially for what – I think a lot of people, Sean, picked them to win 10-11 games heading into this year. I mean, they were the fa- – I think the 24-7 sports uh, Big Ten writers, it was unanimous that Wisconsin was going to win the Big Ten West. And, you know, Graham Mertz has only thrown the ball 42 times over the past three games, has not thrown for a touchdown – but you look at that running back duo with uh, Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen. And for, for as iffy as Wisconsin's O-line's been at pass blocking, man, they are really tearing it up in the run game. And they are going to look to impose their will. And a very young Iowa defensive line outside Zach Van Balkenberg, this is going to be a very, very big test to see if they have the stamina and the strength to, to really compete with this you know brutal Wisconsin offensive line. Uh, you know, and, and I've, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Sean. I think this bye week came at the perfect time for Iowa just to really get refreshed. And if you're going into Wisconsin and you have that extra week of rest, I mean, they're going to be very grateful for that when it's the fourth quarter in that game. Right. And the players talked about how refreshed they've been. And, you know, Wisconsin being the physical team that they are, you're going to be you're going to be sore after this game. And this Wisconsin team, while the offensive line maybe hasn't been as good or, you know, less experienced than years past, it's still a pretty talented group, especially in the run blocking situation. Patch protection, it's been a been a struggle at times, um, lack of consistency, but this run, this run offense is really, really effective. And, you know, it's not just the offensive line 
that's going to hit you. It's the running backs. They got some big dudes in the backfield, especially Braylon Allen. Uh, it's 6'2", 238 is a 17-year-old who who can run, who can make plays yeah. with his feet. Ches Malusi is more of a uh, finesse type of back, more of a scat back, but he's a guy that can lay a hit down too and, you know, make you feel it the next morning. It's kind of crazy too. You talk about one of the most strongest pound for pound guys in the Big Ten being a 17-year-old running back. I think that's, that's how crazy it is. And, you, you know, again, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Paul Chris and that offense. I mean, Graham Mertz right now, two touchdowns, seven interceptions on the year. And right now, Sean, we, we talked about this a little bit as well. I mean, I, I've mentioned it and it will be my preview tomorrow. Look, Wisconsin is not going to pass the ball a lot, but the goal of this game, I think, for Iowa is to force them into passing situations, make Graham Mertz beat you through the air. And then for Iowa, it's, you know, outstanding secondary. They got to be able to take advantage of the limited passing opportunities uh, that they're going to be forced through the air. They're going to need a turnover. I mean, this is a game where, you know, Kirk always talks about winning the game by the margins between the hash marks. It's a game of inches. I don't think it's more personified than in this game between Iowa and Wisconsin. I mean, even looking back to last year, Sean, I mean, Iowa and Wisconsin were close to three quarters. And then once Iowa smelled a little bit of blood in that fourth quarter, they could tell Wisconsin was getting tired. Uh, they just turned it up a notch. And it was a 28-7 win, but it certainly didn't feel like it was a blowout by any means until late in that fourth quarter. Definitely. And that's what I talked to Mike about, too, that it's one or two big plays that can, can decide a game. Obviously, the Goodson run that he had last year, the Petrus pass to Amir Smith-Marset in the fourth quarter, those were big plays that made all the difference. I don't think Iowa really did. I mean, obviously, you know, the Jack Campbell interception as well in the end zone, that definitely played a big role as well. It's those two to three to four plays that can make all the difference in games like this. And I, I don't see it being any different this year either. You know, and I'm very intrigued about how Iowa attacks this Wisconsin defense because, you know, for as much as Wisconsin's offense is struggled, that defense is always just typical Wisconsin, brutal defense. I mean, you look at their statistics, Sean, and it it really is pretty mind-boggling. The, the nation's number one rushing defense, uh, 53 yards per game on the ground, 1.9 yards per carry. They've held five of their seven opponents to 50 or fewer rushing yards, which is the most of any team, including Georgia, which is – I think saying something for how dominant that Georgia defense has been, I think only giving up 46 points on the year so far. So, you know, how is Iowa going to attack the, how are they going to utilize the run? Are they going to throw in a little bit of trickeration? Are they going to, you know, what I'm very intrigued about how Brian Ferentz comes back in this game, because he took a lot of criticism for his game plan against Purdue. And I think in some ways, rightfully so, um, but he just flat out said, look, we have to run the football. If we're going to beat this Wisconsin team. And, you know, Tyler Goodson's probably itching to get back at it as well, because keep in mind in that Purdue game, I think he only had two runs in that second half, only had 12 touches, uh, 12 carries on the day, which when that's your biggest playmaker in space, maybe outside of Keegan Johnson, Tyler Goodson's like the, the one who's been established. That can't ever happen, especially for an offense that's desperately looking for more explosive plays. And, you know, to be quite frank, Sean, they need more explosive plays. And that was my, bi-week column was they, they have to be able to change the identity of the offense while staying true to the principles. Otherwise they're not going to be an indie. And I think that this week it's really going to put that to the test. They got to be able to get Tyler Goodson the ball in space. They got to play Keegan Johnson, more snaps, and there has to be adjustments to be made. Otherwise I think you're going to see the same offense for the next five games as you know, we saw for the first seven. Yeah. And that's why I did a three key or three matchups to watch article. And usually I include, specific players and specific position groups but 
this week I included Iowa offense coordinator Brian Ferentz and Wisconsin defense coordinator Jim Leonard because that's that's a big matchup. Who's going to out-scheme who? Last year was the first year during the Leonard and Ferentz era at their current positions going up against each other that Iowa scored more than 25 points or more than their season average too. And, you know, obviously a couple of big plays here and there, but, you know, Iowa got the best of that team. Uh, it got best of the Wisconsin defense. Yeah. Sorry, I got a text, so I got a little pause <laughs> there weird. But, um, and that's, I mean, this this is the matchup right here. Like, I really think these two going up against each other is going to decide the game. Because, yeah. you know, Wisconsin does scheme so well for teams. And obviously the Notre Dame game might be an outlier, especially because that fourth quarter got out of hand. But, you know, Notre Dame can beat you in more ways than uh, Iowa can. Honestly, I think – I mean, I think Tyler Goodson – I think Notre Dame just has more weapons around him. I mean, I think Iowa's capable of coming up with a big couple of plays. But, you know, that Notre Dame offense just seems to have so much more speed. And Wisconsin just always seems to have Iowa's number defensively. And last year was an outlier because COVID. But, you know, you look at this Wisconsin group, and there's really not many weaknesses with them. There never really is. But this year, I mean, you got all-American linebackers in the ocean now. He's playing – yeah. Probably the best football of his career, and it's not even close. Yep. Jack Sanborn was probably the Big Ten's best line, one of the Big Ten's best linebackers last year. You got, you know, a couple other guys. You got Keanu Benton, who is a potential NFL guy at the nose tackle position. That's going to be a really fun matchup between him and Linderbaum. Got a couple guys on the edge that can rush the passer. But I'm talking, I'm telling you, man, like these linebackers, they are very talented. And the interior of the defensive line, or the interior of the Iowa offensive line, the interior, the you know, tackles on the offensive line are going to have to play probably their best game of the season. I know we said that before, but, you know, it's really going to have to happen because Wisconsin wants to get into those gaps and blitz. They want to take yep. advantage of those mismatches. They do things that make you uncomfortable, and that's on both sides of the ball, especially with the run. I mean, defense more so, but offense, you know, you know it's coming, but it's just a matter of you stopping it. You know, yeah, and I think that's a good point, and I'm very – I'm going to be watching closely how Nick DeYoung, Jack Plum, Mason Richmond come back. Because remember, yeah. you know, with, with all due respect to those guys, they've played some good football this year at times. But Jar George Karloftis welcomed him, welcomed him to real primetime top talent, you know, college football. And that's no that's no shade against Iowa offensive tackles. I mean, Karloftis is going to be a first round pick. And again, if you look at the stat sheet, he didn't dominate. But if you turn on the tape, I mean, he was in Iowa's backfield literally almost every single play. I mean, what he did that game, I thought. Um, was incredible. And I think, you know, you bring up a good point about the Wisconsin defense. I mean, the reality is Jim Leonard and them, they are going to put their linebackers in a position to make plays. That's how this Wisconsin team goes. And at the end of the day, like you said earlier, Iowa is going to have to hit the one or two of those big time plays. And, you know, Sean, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but I really want to dive into this for a minute, you know, and this was a bi-week conversation is, at, at what point do you not want to say dramatically decrease, but at what point do you decrease Tyrone Tracy's snap count and throw in Keegan Johnson? Like, I think Tyrone's a better blocker right now, but at the end of the day, blocking on the edge right now is, I think, the least of Iowa's problems when it comes to the offense. I mean, I think that the offensive line's been iffy and there's been a lack of explosive plays and playmakers. And, you know, Keegan in his limited snaps, he's been able to make those plays. Well, why don't you put Keegan at the X and you put Tyrone at one of the slot positions? That's what I would do as well. I think that's a very I, I think that's what they should be doing. But then who do you take out of the slot? Do you take out Nico, who's leading the team in yards? 
for wide receivers or do you move around Charlie Jones? I mean, you could switch it up. Like it yeah. doesn't have to be an every play thing, but you can depend on what looks you're giving you. Cause I think you can play Keegan at that X spot and Brian parents talked about that last week. And then you could put Tyrone at the slot where he's more of a natural receiver there. I, I think that'd be one thing that really helped them. And then the other part though, too, is for those two spots, you're going to have to rotate four receivers. So I think Arlen Bruce is another guy who probably needs to see the field a little bit more in his limited production. And, you know, at the end of the day too, Sean, if, if I was getting, you know, under pressure in the pocket and the pockets collapsing quick, you got to be able to adjust. You got to make those routes short. You need that short area quickness and guys who have a great release. And I think Arlen's been able to prove that this year. And, you know, Keegan's been able to do that. And Keegan's turned those five-yard gains into, you know, 30, 40-yard gains. And that that's exactly what they need right now. And, again, it, it'll be very interesting. Is Iowa going to come out in typical Iowa fashion? Are they get outside zone run, outside zone run, then try to pass on that third down? Or are they going to come in and try to challenge these Wisconsin cornerbacks? Because if you go by pro football focus, the cornerbacks have not been locked down in pass coverage, but the defensive line, the linebackers have been so good in the middle and they've gotten so much pressure on opposing quarterbacks that it, it kind of bails out their secondary. And I know that was one of the concerns heading into the year for this Wisconsin team. I know they got, I think, a bunch of starts under their belt, but they've been shaky this year so far. Yeah, and – you know, I think Iowa – I mean, it sounded confident when Kelvin Bell talked the other day, too, about the game plan. I'm, I'm talking defensively. But, you know, it's just a matter of, like, just knowing what the other team's going to do because that's what it comes down to with these two teams. They know what to expect. Obviously, Wisconsin, you know, Graham Mertz, everyone talked about him being, being the chosen one in Madison after that game last year against Illinois. But, you know, is underdeveloped – or is underwhelmed immensely. And, you know, that's why it's going to be one of those games where you kind of know what to expect. It's just a matter of executing. And that's what it's all going to come down to. I, I have a hard time seeing Graham Mertz throw more than 12 passes. Yeah. And I think that's what's best for Wisconsin. I know if you're Iowa, you want, you want to throw, you want to have him throw more because, you know, I looked on pro football focus today and, Five of Graham Mertz's seven interceptions are when the pocket is clean. And his grades is 64, which is like around average, a little above, not necessarily much. But yeah, when the pocket collapses, it's 42, which is bad. Peters, when the pocket is clean, is 90, which is really good. When, yeah, that's yeah, elite. Clean, yeah. And when it's collapsing, it's 60. And he's throwing an interception with the pocket clean. But, you know, besides the point, he's a lot better, more consistent at that point. While Mertz is – you know, just not like something just seems to be off with him. I don't know if it's a system. I don't know if, you know, it's receivers. Yeah. You just, if you're Iowa, you want Wisconsin to try and beat you through the air and try to throw the football. But, you know, I just feel like it's going to be one of those games where, you know, Wisconsin's going to try and run the ball 50, 55 times. And that's going to be the weirdest thing. And I think also that's going to contribute to that 36 and a half over under Sean, which is I think the lowest of any game since like 2004, or something. I mean, that, I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous to me. It's definitely the lowest of the season. I think CBS Sports' is Tom Fornelli uh, tweeted that when somebody asked it. So it's going to be a very typical Iowa-Wisconsin game. And, Sean, we'll go big picture here, then I'll give my final prediction, then we'll go into your conversation uh, with Michael before we close out this podcast. But 
you know, I, I really do think, Sean, that this is a make or break game for Iowa. I think they're fresh off a loss. They're fresh off the bye week. And, you know, at the end of the day, with Northwestern struggling, the Big Ten West goes through Madison. If Iowa does not win this game, I have a, and I need to look, I, I need to look at the breakdowns. I, I admit I need to look at the scenarios. But if Iowa, I mean, if Iowa does not beat Wisconsin, I have a very, 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 very hard time seeing them win the Big Ten West. I, I just, I think the rails are going to come off. I think there's going to be a lot of outside noise about this team if they don't beat Wisconsin. Like it's a, this is the gut check of the season for Iowa right now. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. And we thought this is obviously, this is a big game every year, but you know, with Iowa losing to Purdue the other week, it's, it's added them that much more of an element to it. And a lot of Iowa's issues offensively and, you know, the very few that they had defensively were exposed against Purdue. And Wisconsin's the type of team that, you know, is going to look at the film, is going to try and exploit you in those areas, and but also try and stick to what they do best. So this is a game where, you know, Brian Farron said last week, the mistakes need to be minimal. If you get behind, if you look up at the scoreboard and you're behind, everything honestly has to go your way to, you know, get back in the game. Because Wisconsin, it's like their basketball team. They're not going to give up a lead. Unless, you know, it's something drastic. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And it'll be, you know, I do think the one advantage that does work for Iowa, not advantage, but maybe something that'll be good for this Iowa offense is you talked about how elite the the Wisconsin backers are. I mean, Iowa's got a pretty dang good, you know, three guys as well, Justin, Seth, and Jack Campbell. So it's not like they're dramatically going up a level right. in terms of, you know, who they're squaring off against, but It'll be interesting. Uh, I know you're going to give your prediction in the next segment, so I'll, I'll give mine now. And, again, I'll have my full preview, our whole preview up tomorrow morning, Friday morning at HawkeyeInsider.com. Sean and I will be making the trek up to Madison uh, for the Halloween game. And, Sean, it's finally finally an 11 a.m. kickoff this year. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I know nobody cares about that but us, but I am ecstatic. That it's an 11 a.m. kickoff for once. <laughs> So that's yeah. just something you drive back. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. And it yeah. might be a quick game too, because you know, if these teams run the ball as much as or Wisconsin, especially if they run the ball as much as they have, and it's on ESPN. I mean, I talked about that with Mike too. Yeah. Um, you'll you'll see a lot of overlap what we say here to an extent. <laughs> um, especially be ready for the pro football focus talk too. Yeah. But they uh yeah, it's it has potential to be a really quick game. I would love, I would honestly love this game to be a night game, but you know, look, look they, they had to go with the elite matchup of Iowa Northwestern for the night game, Sean. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't ask me my thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, so in short, I do think that it's gonna be one or two very weird plays that decide the game. I think Charlie Jones, I think there'll be a big play in the kickoff or punt return coverage for Iowa. I think Torrey Taylor has a chance to really be a big difference maker in this game. I think Iowa, uh, if they can block a punt field position for this offense, it's going to be huge, especially with how, you know, like we talked about how great this Wisconsin defense is. I have a bit of a high scoring game, Sean. I have 17 to 13 Iowa, but I've gone back and forth between 17, 13, 13, 10. I I do think Iowa wins. I I have a hard time seeing Wisconsin run all over Iowa. Um, even with the Riley Moss injury. But, I mean, Iowa's got really good linebackers. But, again, if, if Iowa's defensive line can't hold up, I think that's going to be the biggest, biggest thing of the of the game because otherwise the secondary and the linebackers are really got to collapse in hard on those gaps. And they're going up against, you know, 
grown men that are all over. I think almost all of them were over 300 pounds. And by the way, I think Iowa's heaviest player this year is like 302 pounds. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Pad level. Pad, Pad level. level. Yep. That's what uh, Kelvin Bell is preaching all when we uh, talk to them on Wednesday. So I, I have an Iowa win. I think, you know, for anyone that cares, my preseason prediction, I think I had Iowa winning at Wisconsin as well. Uh, since I'm somehow seven for seven, uh, expect to go over five in the next five because I'm talking about it. So, um, but yeah, Sean, I'll, uh, we'll dive right into your conversation with, uh, Michael Hogan. And, uh, I know you guys will give some good insight and, uh, you know, it'll be again, it'll, it'll be quite the game. So, so for me, I'm signing off. We'll dive in that conversation with Sean and Michael and, uh, you know, we'll see you in Madison. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, guys, as promised in the first segment of the Stormcast podcast, we now welcome on Mike Hogan from Badgers 247. You can follow Mike at M Hogan Reports. Is that is that right, Mike? Is that the Twitter handle? Correct. You've memorized it after this week. That's right. I, I put it, I put in my notes. I just kind of guessed. I didn't even bother looking at it. I just I just know that I've typed it so many times this week that yeah. it seemed to be, it seemed to just come up from memory, but yeah, Mike, you've been on the Wisconsin beat for what it's been since July, August, right? June, June actually. Yeah. Early June. June. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of, how's that been? How's that whole experience been since you uh, joined the 24 seven sports network and obviously covering Wisconsin? Well, it's been, it's been fun. I've been enjoying the, uh, the job and, and obviously <laughs> There's been no shortage of drama with a four and three football team with a struggling quarterback. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been fun. A lot to a lot of storylines this year and basketball coming up soon. But a uh, big football game this weekend that a lot of folks are looking forward to. Uh, one that will not only decide who wins the Heartland Trophy, but probably the Big Ten West uh, at this point. It seems like, you know, obviously Minnesota is number one, you know, with the head-to-head advantage over Iowa with the uh, Purdue victory. So that separates some of the standings, but uh, most people seem to uh, expect that this will come down to, to Iowa and Wisconsin. This weekend's game will obviously go a long way in deciding uh, who has the edge in the standings. So I think it's definitely an exciting game for both, uh, both fan bases and, and teams. Yeah, before we talk about Iowa and Wisconsin, obviously Iowa – Coming off the bye week, the week before played Purdue, got absolutely shellacked by the Bullenmakers. David Bell had himself probably the best day of his career and the best day of any receiver inside Kinnick Stadium, setting a Kinnick record for most receiving yards in a game. And I think it went back to like 1970s or something like that. So, and obviously, you know, there's Iowa's not known for passing the ball that much. So I guess you can take that stat with a grain of salt. You're not going to have 
many Iowa receivers going over 150 yards per game uh, receiving. But, you know, talk about that Wisconsin-Purdue game because, you know, Iowa looked absolutely – it like Purdue just seemed to out-scheme Wisconsin every sense of the – out-scheme Iowa in every sense of the game. And, you know, obviously Iowa's had a pass with – Purdue lost for the last five in the Jeff Brom era to the Boilermakers. But, you know, it just seems like Wisconsin just had Purdue's number and just knew exactly what to do to tame the Boilermakers and come out that victory. What what stood out from that game to you? Well, to me, and that, that was Wisconsin's 15th consecutive win over the Boilermakers, so they're faring a little better than the Hawkeyes <laughs> are against that particular team. That's actually, I think it's like the second longest active Big 10 winning streak. Ohio State has like 25 over Minnesota. I think that that's true. But um, Wisconsin in that game, I mean, I, I was a little bit concerned about – because at least in the first in – the, in the three losses that Wisconsin had, and their secondary has been pretty good this year. Uh, I believe they're 10th in the nation against the pass, um, first in the Big 10. And a couple of those teams, Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame, they all hit some big passing plays – against Wisconsin in, in big moments. Uh, I think there are six touchdown passes those teams combined for, and, and four of them were longer than 20 yards. So I was expecting, uh, you know, some breakdowns uh, in that game against Purdue, but that never happened. Um, David Bell finished the first half with uh, one or two catches. He finished with six for 33. Um, only two of them went for first downs. Um, so pretty harmless day overall. Uh, for David Bell. And what they did was they played him left and right. Uh, Fayon Hicks was on the left side and uh, Caesar Williams was on the right side. So uh, which, whichever side Bell came to was, was, um, was what they did. Uh, and they, and they shut him down and they also, their safeties were good. They, they gave him some help on the outside as, uh, as well. Um, and then the pass rush was, was fierce um, a big, a big reason why Wisconsin forced five turnovers in that game was just the pressure they had on Purdue quarterbacks, uh, Aiden O'Connell and, and Jack Plummer and the other kid, I forget his name who came in, um, to play somewhat sparingly. Um, they, they were all over those guys, forcing them off their spots, uncomfortable throws. Uh, Wisconsin's linebackers were phenomenal. Again, Leo Chanel with nine tackles, five and a half tackles for a loss three and a half sacks. I mean, the guy was all over the field and, um, and that, and that came after he had 17 tackles and two, two and a half tackles for loss in a sack against army. Um, and, and the, for as good as he's been playing his partner, Jack Sanborns had been even more impressive, but nobody thinks about him because, or talks about him as much because I mean, Chanel's numbers are just insane. Uh, both those guys have a chance, I think, to be playing the NFL next year. Um, who knows? I mean, maybe Chanel will stay another year. Sanborn's um, he came back for his senior year. So I think he's, he's probably going to be gone. Um, but Chanel, if he keeps playing the way he has, I, I don't need, I don't see any reason why he'd stay. Um, his, his stock will seem seemingly only rise, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, Wisconsin's defense, excellent game plan. Corner safeties were great. Pass rush was awesome. Um, the offense, um, not great early in that game. Um, didn't cash in on the turnovers event. Uh, initially, they had two chances in the first half with good field position. They only came away with three points, and that those three points came after 
Wisconsin had the ball at the one yard line and they lost four yards over three plays. So that's just, that was frustrating. Uh, but the second half was a different story. Wisconsin totally dominated. The rushing attack was great. Braylon Allen uh, and Chaz Malusi, Allen, a freshman and, and Malusi, a transfer kind of weird how the running back situation was the most uncertain thing about this team before the year, but now you have kind of a, it's almost improbable combination of guys, a transfer and then a guy who reclassified, a 17-year-old freshman who reclassified, who's just absolutely dominating right now. Three straight 100-yard games for Allen, a career-high 140 against Purdue, two touchdowns. He had a 70-yard run that set up uh, Malusi's 20-yard touchdown. So they were, they were awesome. The offensive line is starting to play a little better. Um, not so much in terms of pass blocking, but run blocking. They've been good. Wisconsin uh, in their three-game winning streak. Uh, I have it in the number right here, actually. I think their 879 yards leads the country over the last three weeks. So that, that uh, I mean, that's, that's the reason why they've been winning. Um, just the rushing attack uh, is just burying opponents. Um, it, it's hard to stop. I mean, when they get – you have a 6'2", 280, 200, not 280 pounds, 238 pounds running back in um, Allen. He's a hard guy to tackle. And I think he wears, uh, he wore Purdue's defense down throughout the game. Um, obviously, um, Malusi obviously deserves some credit too. He's uh, a lot of people call him a scat back, but uh, he, he has some, he runs behind his pads pretty well too. Um Wisconsin's passing attack wasn't great in that game. Uh, Mertz, five of eight for 52 yards, I believe, in, uh, in that game. Uh, that was, I think, the fewest passing attempts by a Wisconsin quarterback since 2012. Um, but that's just not what's getting it done um, for Wisconsin this year. They're going to have to run the ball to win, and um, and that's what they did against Purdue. They, they played strong defense and shoved it right down their throats. Yeah, and I – I remember Braylon Allen during the recruiting process because Iowa was actually the first offer for him. And you look at him there, you're like, okay, like he could be a good size for safety, you know, maybe a potential linebacker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Iowa was recruiting him as a safety initially, and then he just started to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm like, oh, my God. Like I saw like some of the stuff he would post on social media, the weightlifting stuff. I was like – Weightlifting stuff in the summer was insane. Oh my goodness. That was absolutely ridiculous. And when I saw he was reclassifying, I was like, okay, like that makes sense. He looks like he, he doesn't need to play in high school. <laughs> yeah. He does not. I hope he, yeah. I'd pray for the guys that have to go up against him too. And, um, but to touch on that too, you know, the running backs, Iowa, Kirk Ferentz said it this week. He mentioned, and I think some of the players mentioned this too, that, you know, it kind of seemed like Wisconsin, I don't want to say struggled with identity last year, Obviously, COVID, you know, that plays into effect with everything and, you know, the offseason not getting the right preparations. But even the first couple games to start the year, but these last three games where they've had these wins, they just seem to go back to what they do. You, I mean, would you attest to that, Mike? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they've they found the right combination. Look, the, Ferentz actually made note of this when I was listening to his press conference that it's amazing how much the running back room at Wisconsin has changed since that game last year. Nikia Watson was the leading rusher, um, I think, in that contest. And they also had Jalen Berger on that team. Uh, Berger was dismissed a couple of weeks ago from the program. He entered the transfer portal. 
Um, Isaac Arendo, who was a contributor earlier in the season for Wisconsin, the backfield had a couple nice runs early. He had an 81 yard, 82 yard touchdown against Eastern Michigan. He suffered a season ending injury. And now all of a sudden you got uh, Malusi, who was the uh, number one running back to start the season. He's uh, he's still in the, he's obviously still kind of the number one guy. And then Allen kind of, as as the running back room started to change with Berger leaving and Garendo uh, being injured, um, Allen that allowed Allen to emerge as kind of this one slash number two option. Um, I, I don't really know if Wisconsin considers either of those guys number one or number two. They just kind of they both bring something different um, to to the team, and um, you know, obviously, I already kind of explained it, Malusi. Um, very elusive back, but also great power and great balance. Um, a lot of his yards this season have come after contact. He can break tackles. He can, he can lower the shoulder and get through guys. Allen, um, people make a, obviously a big deal about his size and they should. It's, he almost looks like Derrick Henry. I hate to make that comparison, but I covered Derrick Henry last year when I was with the Titan covering the Titans for their, their sports illustrated page. Um, he runs with that same kind of power and he has impressive speed for a guy who's that big. Um, I think that is something that is, is good. And, and, and he has good strength too. that stiff arm. I mean, during fall camp, the first, the, at the, the first time I had a, a, an idea of, of what this kid could bring to the team this year, it was a fall camp practice. And I saw Allen running down the sideline and he just totally took a cornerback and threw him um, at like, like a feather. Um, and, and, and it's not like division. I mean, cornerbacks are obviously a little smaller, skinnier guys, but still that's pretty hard to do, um, when you're on the move and just totally polarize a guy into the turf, but they have found their identity. And like I said, it's been kind of like, it's almost, it, it felt, it feels kind of improbable that this is what it is. Um, a transfer and a guy who reclassified and imagine if these guys weren't on the team this year, um, what the situation would be. Wisconsin probably would be, wouldn't be in a position to win the big 10 West right now. Um, I, I mean, maybe if you can always also make the argument, maybe Jalen Berger stays around, doesn't get dismissed if um, these two guys aren't here this year, but let's just completely ignore, ignore the hypotheticals. Um, this team's lucky to have these guys. And it's been a reason why they've been able to win some games lately and look like they have some sort of offensive identity. It's not pretty um, when you can't throw the football, but Hey, Wisconsin will take any kind of victory they can get um, with no margin for another loss. And the running attack is it, that that's what it's been. And, and yeah, they absolutely have found their identity and they didn't have this last year. They didn't have it really early in the season. Malusi had one or two hundred yard games, but uh, nothing, nothing to this magnitude. Um, so it, it's, it's been, it, it took them a while, but now they have it at the right time and they're playing their best football, I think at the right time, but we'll see. It's a big challenge in Iowa this weekend. Yeah. yeah and I'm looking at pro football focus right now. And Allen has played 91 snaps this season. 72 of them have been run situations. So in those plays, you know, you kind of know when he's in the backfield that Wisconsin is going to run the ball either to him or, you know, get it to someone else in there. And it's kind of one of those things, too, where, yeah, you know it's coming, but can you stop it? And that's another thing with this Wisconsin team, too. And Iowa players talked about it all week. It's just the physicality. Like, this game, compared to any other – like, the Big Ten is known to be a physical conference in both football and basketball. 
Um, I know the whole term yeah. Big Ten football and yeah. Big Ten basketball, but. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, these this game, it's like you know what's coming. You know what's going to happen. But, you know, it's just how do you stop it? And this Wisconsin defensive line, when you look at the pro football focus numbers, I know, you know, that's not holding weight for everything, but it's kind of similar to Iowa. I mean, Wisconsin's had more, much more success running the ball this year than Iowa has, but the run blocking numbers are very good for Wisconsin while, or, you know, decent enough for Wisconsin, pretty solid across the board, I would say. But the pass protection numbers are a lot, seem to be a lot lower kind of like Iowa is. And, you know, what's what's kind of been the disconnect with that? I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this. You know, I get it. Like, I play football, obviously run blocking. You know, it's it's different than pass blocking. I know some guys are more comfortable with pass blocking or run blocking than pass blocking coming in to high school because, you know, teams can run the ball if they have uh, a bigger guy in the offensive line like that. But what what do you kind of think has been the disconnect with the, with the offensive line this year? I mean – it's been solid, I think. I mean, running wise, but pass protection, it just doesn't seem to be on the same level, depending on uh, you know, which guy you you look at. Well, I, I've asked players about this in the offensive line to put my, to to try to get a pulse on the situation. I, th- I think it's just a lot of it. I think it's just fundamentals, maybe. I mean, that's what they've kind of pointed to: the little things, fundamentals, hands, footwork. Um, they've they've run into some tough teams too, um, and obviously, honestly, I think maybe the, the talent isn't there like it used to be. And I hate to say it, but um, I mean, the left tackle, Tyler beach, he's been beaten. I mean, maybe you're looking at pro football focus right now. Yeah. Um, he he's had a couple of rough games and um, he's had a hard time with, with a couple of, uh, I think Penn state's Arnold Ebikidi off, off the edge week one, he was mostly responsible for him. Um, he got, he got whipped a couple of times and against Michigan, he got beat a couple times off the edge. So left tackle has been, it's been a problem, at least in terms of pass protection this year. Um, and then, and then uh, they've had some, maybe some newer guys too. I may, maybe it's experience. Um, Jack Nelson's a sophomore or redshirt freshman, actually. Um, he's, he's at right guard. Um, and then the center, Joe Tipman's a sophomore. Um, he beat out Caden Lyle. So just decided to enter the transfer portal the other day. Um He's, he beat him out for that center position in camp. So maybe it's a little bit of experience too. Um, I think, I think usually when you think of Wisconsin offensive line, it's, you know, a lot of juniors and seniors this year, there's obviously a couple of experienced guys in that line, but um, a couple of inexperienced guys as well. And then there's been some penalties that, that have killed them. Um, some false starts. They had a couple against Purdue holding a couple holding penalties as well um, in those losses. Um and, and obviously this is something that, that you think about too, with, with Graham Mertz and his struggles, it hasn't helped them at all. Um, they, and obviously Mertz should take a lot of the responsibility for his, his play, um, which hasn't been good at time, which has mostly been frustrating for Wisconsin fans this year. Um, he's been under, under a lot of pressure and he's, he's hasn't necessarily been sacked a lot of times, but it's just been the pressure and, and the, 
and the hurries and having to scramble out of the pocket and maybe get rid of the ball a little bit sooner than he would like. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Wisconsin offensive line has, has frustrated a lot of folks this year. It hasn't, at least in terms of pass protection, it hasn't been up to the standard. And obviously let's, I mean, let's acknowledge for a second that the standards are really high. Uh, maybe by the end of the year, maybe this group improves pass protection wise, people are still going to be complaining and, and, and frustrated by it. Um, but the standard is really high and um, maybe expectations should be reset for this group. Um, but they'll, they'll have their hands full again this weekend against Iowa a team that will challenge them up front. And they have some li- talented linebackers and, and, and defensive linemen that, that, that will um, certainly be licking the chops at least when Mertz drops back to pass. Yeah. And we'll, we'll go back. We'll talk about the defense here next, but um, you know, I feel like, with how well Wisconsin's ran the ball and how much that they put the ball on the ground that we don't really need to talk about Mertz and the passing game that much because, you know, it really hasn't been too much of a factor. I think one of the crazy things I'm looking at, I'm a pro football focused nut, dude. Like I look (laughs) nonstop. Like I know a lot of people don't like it, but I love, I love like. It's helpful. It's helpful. It's a resource for sure. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it says here that when the, when, Mertz's pocket is kept clean. That's when five of his interceptions have come. And when he's under oh, pressure, wow. only two. Yeah. So Iowa, I know Spencer Petrus, like, I think his grade is considered excellent when the pocket's kept clean while under pressure. It's like, you know, on the same level as Mertz when it's kept clean. So that's, that's kind of crazy to me how that all, how that all works out. But yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, you know, you don't have to go too in depth on it, Mike, but you know, who are some of the guys in the receiving game that, you know, Mertz, when he does throw the ball, are the ones he's thrown to most often, the guys that, you know, Iowa really needs to keep a close watch on? Well, obviously they have a pair of senior receivers and Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis, two guys who, if they had maybe better quarterback play this year, could be working their way into maybe a pro conversation. I think both have a chance. I don't know if either will get drafted. Um, but both, both are talented guys, downfield threats. Kendrick Pryor could also run. Um, they haven't used him in the jet sweep game as much this year. And when they have those plays haven't worked. So maybe that's a reason. Um, but he, but he's kind of a dual, um, threat guy with, with that kind of attack receiving and running Danny Davis can stretch the field deep. Um, tight end Jake Ferguson, obviously has been, um, a big 10 fixture for a while, um, at, at that position. Um, he's, he's been good reliable when his number has been called on this year. Um, I believe he has a catch in like 40 straight games or something like that. They, wow. they usually do a weekly note on it. Um, I think that's like one of the longest streaks in the country. Um, uh, I'm trying to find it here. It's not on, usually on the front page of the media notes, but yeah, he has an insane streak of games. I think like 40 games straight with a catch. Um, and then a guy I'd like to see him use a little more is Chimere DK. Um, a sophomore receiver who, when given opportunities to catch, to make plays this year has one of Mertz's best drives of the year came against Michigan late in the second quarter. Um, he was injured in the third quarter, never returned to the game, but on his, on his last really drive of that game, he, um, he completed a 36 yard pass to, to DK down the middle of the field, a bigger guy too. DK is a bigger guy can go up, a big red zone threat. Um, also uh, on the next play, an 18 yard touchdown pass. So those two big plays in a row to, to him, good hands, 
um, good size, good, good speed as well for DK. He also had a run of like 10 or 11 yards early, earlier this year. So he's a guy I'd like to see him get more involved than maybe the fact they have two senior receivers kind of plays into that. Um, maybe there's, there's less, fewer opportunities for a guy like DK considering that experience they have. Um, but at this point, I mean, I think he could really um, make some plays for this offense if, if they give him, give him some opportunities. Um, everybody thought this would be the year DK would um, maybe emerge as a breakout player, but that obviously hasn't been the case. And that's not entirely his, his own, his fault there. Um, next year seems to be maybe more realistic for that, but um, those are, those are the guys I would watch out for the, in, in the passing game. They don't really use their running backs much. Um, Malusi maybe can, can be capable of taking a screen. They haven't thrown many screen passes this year though, but um, yeah, those are the guys I would, I would watch out through, through the air. Um, but again, a lot of that depends on how accurate Mertz can be and, and how good the offensive line can hold up. And those, uh, those opportunities haven't been quite there this year a whole lot. Yeah, for sure. And let's let's transition to the defense. Um, obviously, Kirk Ferentz mentioned earlier this week, too, that, you know, not necessarily that the offensive line for Iowa is a concern, but, you know, it has struggled this season. And Wisconsin's the type of team that can exploit those weaknesses and can exploit those struggles. And, you know, Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn, you talk about Chanel this year like seems to be the guy Sanborn I know was talked about a lot last year. And I think the year before as well, but those two guys are as good as any when it comes to linebacker duos in the big 10. And, you know, you match some of the other guys that they had in there and that's, that's a really, really strong group. Yeah, they, they, they are great. Um, just a very dominant defense and, and they're only giving up like 53 yards a game on the ground. Um, that's the fewest rushing yards in the country. Um, teams are only averaging about, a yard and, and maybe a half or yard, just over one yard per carry um, this season. So that's just insane numbers for, for a run defense. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with how aggressive they can be. They have playmakers, you know, uh, in that front seven, we mentioned, we talked so much about Chanel and Sanborn and obviously that is deserved for those two. Um, they should be talked about a lot. Um and as I said earlier, both are kind of making a case to go pro. Um, Wisconsin fans might hate me for saying that. But uh, defensive tackle, Keanu Benton's been good as well. And that'll be a good matchup to watch. Uh, Benton versus Linderbaum. Um, I mean, yeah. those are two, those are those are two NFL guys right there for sure. Um, and and maybe Benton doesn't get the praise he he deserves because he he's a guy that in this type of defense he kind of just takes up maybe oftentimes just takes up some blockers to let those linebackers get through. Um, It's kind of a thankless job, but there have been times, there've been plenty of times this year where he's, he's been in the backfield disrupting plays and maybe not necessarily making a tackle, but doing enough to alter the play and to let somebody else make a play. And um, he's been impressed. He's been fun to watch Nick Herbig, an outside linebacker. um, He, he was really impressive last year as a freshman tied for the team lead with six tackles for loss, had a really solid season overall, told the media at the, at the beginning of the year, just, just before fall camp started, that he was angry about the lack of sacks he had last year. I think he only had one. So he's obviously used that anger, anger to his advantage. <laughs> he has um, 
three and a half sacks this year. He also has like 17 quarterback pressures or something like that. Wisconsin has a hundred as a team. And that's an area they've been really, really improved at this year. They only had 11 sacks in seven games last year through seven this year, they have 18. Um, and then they obviously have the hundred quarterback pressures according to pro football focus. Um, and then, <laughs> um, and then th- they have uh, a lot of tackles for a loss of yards as well. So they just have so many guys who can impact the running game and the passing game. Matt Henningsen, defensive end, maybe another guy who doesn't get as much credit as he deserves, a former walk-on who, who is a playmaker and, and can definitely get back to the quarterback. And he has a couple sacks this year as well, a couple tackles for a loss. Um, he's a great defensive end for this de- defense. Um, and then, uh, trying to think some other guys, their secondary, obviously we've talked about them, Hicks and, and Caesar Williams, two, uh, experienced guys, safety, Scott Nelson and, uh, Colin Wilder, uh, two other seniors. So that, those are four seniors in the secondary play a lot of football. Um, so that's, and those guys can all tackle as well. They're none of them are afraid to come up and stop the run. Scott Nelson actually ranks third on the team with 37 tackles. Um, so he's, he's been impressive there and that's not a surprise because he was, he was pretty solid, uh, last year as a tackler. And that'll be important this weekend for Wisconsin going up against Iowa's, uh, running back Tyler Goodson, who I know maybe Iowa fans may be a little frustrated about the running rushing attack this year, but Tyler Goodson's a guy that can just explode whenever, you know, he he's, he's an explosive player and he has like, I think 15 runs of 10 or more yards. This year, according to Pro Football Focus, our favorite resource of this uh, right. wonderful podcast, but uh, Tyler Goodson, I think, has like three over 300 yards after contact this year. He's broken like 28 tackles. So obviously, he's a tough guy to, to bring down, and they're going to need to be stout this weekend and, and not give him second chances um, to, to get through that that initial wave. Um, and Wisconsin, I think, has been pretty stout this year um, against running backs. The only team that really had any success against the Badgers was Michigan. They had 112 yards on 44 carries. That's that's a lot of carries to get to 112 yards. Um, they averaged two and a half yards per carry. So you kind of have to look beyond those numbers to say, yeah, they really didn't run the ball that well. Two and a half yards per carry isn't great. Um, so it's going to be, you know, Wisconsin's defense obviously knows what's coming. And a lot of running plays, maybe some play action off of that running game with Petrus. Um but uh, they're going to have to, even though they know that they can stop the run, this is still an Iowa team capable of breaking off some, some explosive plays. Um, and they respect the challenge. Um, I talked to a few guys this week about Goodson and, and what he can do, and none of them are putting any, any atten- paying any attention to numbers because they know he's a guy who can make some plays. And this Iowa offensive line with Linderbaum, obviously they respect him. Both teams, I feel like, have a mutual respect for what they do up front. Um, offensively and defensively. Um, so it'll be a fun matchup to watch. Like, like you kind of mentioned earlier, both teams kind of know what to expect, what's coming. There's nothing, there won't be many surprises, I don't think, but uh, who can make a few plays on the ground? And for Iowa, I told you in that piece that we did earlier this week or that you posted today, um, they might need to make a few plays through the air. And um, that's what teams have had to do to beat the Badgers. Purdue couldn't really do it. Um, their tight end Payne Durham had over a hundred yards receiving, but that's just because they were fine with giving him, giving him what they wanted. They didn't want bell to beat him. Um, and that, that obviously worked out pretty well for him. Um, I don't think Wisconsin's too worried about 
any why was pass you know they're the receivers the tight ends might be um a challenge um laporta and they maybe have another guy um as well who was who the other guy that that maybe can luke lachey okay yeah so those two guys um i will obviously a, a team that utilizes its tight ends and um Marset, Amir Marset, Smith Marset's gone this year. So I don't think he had a couple of, uh, he had a touchdown, I think, in last year's game against Wisconsin. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think they, they're maybe not as worried about their receive, Iowa's receivers because they haven't really done a whole lot this year. Um, but maybe, maybe some of those guys are capable of making plays. But um, it'll be a running game this, this week. Both teams, um, when you think about it, they're pretty stubborn, um, you know, but, but I think um, Petrus will have to make one or two throws, big throws to get Iowa down the field, or maybe just a touchdown pass in the red zone. I think that's what, but that's, what's going to need to happen against this Wisconsin defense. That's just so darn good against the run. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you know, before I let you go, Mike, I think a lot of people need to remember that, you know, while Amir Smith Marset is gone, while Brandon Smith is gone, you know, it seemed like last year, obviously the game before this Wisconsin-Iowa-Wisconsin game, Spencer Peters probably had one of his better games, if not his best game, as an Iowa quarterback to date at that point. But this Wisconsin game really seemed to be, you know, one that moved the needle as well. I know Wisconsin was not strong last year, had a couple injuries throughout the, you know, both sides of the ball. But, you know, this just kind of seemed – that just kind of seems like the game and that – you know, kind of moved the needle with a lot of people with Peters because there was a lot of doubt of how he could play for Iowa, you know, under center. You know, you didn't really see that consistency through those first six games. You saw it against Illinois, but you didn't – and then you saw it against Wisconsin, but those first six games were like, you know, what – like, what is this guy who's under center? Like, you know, a lot of people were were dying for Nate Stanley to come back. Yeah. But, you know, these, these seven or eight games – or those seven or eight games, especially the Wisconsin game – like those pass plays, and I mean the Tyler Goodson run as well, but those pass plays that Petrus had were the difference makers in that game. Those were the big chunk plays that, you know, you were talking about before and that we mentioned about in our pieces that, you know, will be the difference or could definitely be the difference in this game. And while I was going to try to establish the run and Wisconsin's going to do the same, I think both teams know, both defenses know that, hey, like we can't be sleeping on you know, these past games either. I know, you know, Wisconsin hasn't been as good this year, but you never know what they're going to try and draw up or, you know, one big player, one missed assignment in the passing game can really throw, throw the game off and, you know, really make, you know, the, all the difference. And I know these two defenses are really, really disciplined, but you know, it could, it could happen in a game like this. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and success with one or two passing plays could maybe make a defense think about, not being so aggressive against the run, you know, that there's a psychological effect to maybe a team that hits one or two of those, um, those passing plays, maybe a little respect. Um, I think we'll see a couple loaded boxes on, yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, a few passing plays could be the difference and another difference too, before we wrap up could be turnovers in field position. Um, I was obviously it's forced 20 turnovers this year. That is insane. Um, 16 interceptions or something like that. Is that correct? That's, that's uh, crazy. I, or how many interceptions? 
It's either 16 or 17. I think it's 16. Okay, so 16 interceptions, either or, either number. That's ridiculous. Uh, I've never – that's like a full season's worth of picks <laughs> right yeah. there. So that, that could be a difference. And and we know what we know. Mertz has struggled. I mean, seven interceptions to two touchdown passes this year. Man, he's going to have to be really careful with the decisions he's making uh, on Saturday. And Wisconsin also had some fumbling issues against Purdue. They fumbled five times. They lost two of them. Um, and they fumbled plenty of other times this season in other games. So – could be ball security, field position, whichever team can capitalize on a short field, um, off a punt or a turnover, whatever. It's going to be that kind of game, I think, on Saturday. Maybe just a low-scoring 12-10 to 10 affair like you predicted <laughs> earlier this week. Right, yeah. I said 12-10. to 10. You said – I said 12-10 Iowa. You said 16-13 to 13 Iowa. Are you still holding to that? There will be a couple touchdowns in this game, offensive I don't touchdowns. know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Might just have a nine to six game, or like Iowa had a couple of years ago, where it was like a uh, ten to six or ten to seven game. A couple of years ago, I was looking back. Well, I have, I have the, I have the thing right here. I'll take. Thank you for the handy game notes. It was ten to six. That game was in Madison. I think there were a couple turnovers in that game too, like six combined turnovers. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, something like that. But we'll we'll see. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Maybe not uh, interesting for the average fan, but <laughs> I big think, ten fans, uh, big ten fans yeah. like us can appreciate. It. And yeah, I do SEC think fans beware. Do not, yeah. do not turn on this game. <laughs> I do think that it's going to be a really quick game because you got two teams that will try and run the football. Maybe obviously Wisconsin more so with the personnel they have, but it's on ESPN too. So the TV breaks. The commercial breaks are not as long as they are on Fox. So, oh yeah, great. That I, all week I kept thinking about the Fox Big Noon thing. Yeah, um, they're not going to be here. I think that was the initial plan, wasn't it? Or I don't, I don't, know, I don't know. I saw eleven o'clock on the schedule, so I figured it was another Big Nooner on Fox. So, thank you ESPN for carrying <laughs> this game because I've had enough of the Wisconsin's had what three Big Noon games this year on Fox, and it felt like each of those games took like five hours Jeez, yeah we're we're in the same boat too we've we've had a couple of those but mike appreciate as always i wish i could have you on every week for the pod <laughs> full of insight yeah. full of knowledge of the wisconsin badgers you can follow mike at m hogan reports uh on twitter make sure to check out his stuff at badgers 247 does a great job on the beat over there both football and basketball and mike we'll see you on saturday man yeah, thanks for having me on. It was my dream to come on the the Swarm Cat or whatever it's whatever it's called. Um, but uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on, and we'll see you up here in Madison. Really good stuff from from Sean and Michael. Thanks again to Michael of our Wisconsin site. Uh, he's done a heck of a job, Sean. I think you'll agree with that, especially for being a first year guy. He's really really dove deep into that Badger. And I want to say it's kind of that Badger culture, and he's really grown to understand the big 10. I got a lot of respect for, for the work he and Evan flood do over there. So thanks again to Michael. Uh, but yeah, I think that's good about wrap it up for us. So be sure to follow Sean at S 247. Follow me at David Eichel, follow us at, at Hawkeyes on two, four, seven, and be sure to go to Hawkeyeinsider.com for the most complete in-depth coverage of your Iowa Hawkeyes. And until then we will talk to you in Madison. Thanks. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. 
you needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.